0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Grace Community Church of Willow Street's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how to be more engaged with our church, check us out online at gccws.net, or you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message, and we are praying that it leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. evening. It's great to be worshiping with you this evening. Uh, We're going to offer a prayer right now. I just ask that you pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here in this place to worship you, God, to witness and experience your glory and your grace, Father. We are just so grateful for Grace Community Church and for for the community of faith that is here, Lord, for a church family that really just has such a desire to know and to follow you, Lord tonight we are looking at your justice, what uh, uh, what it means that we serve a just God, and Lord, we know that the world we live in is far from just. there are injustices and strife and hurt and pain, sometimes it seems like everywhere we look. And God, it is difficult to, rec- uh, to recognize your justice. God, it's difficult to, um, to reckon with what it means to, to serve a God that is just in a world that looks so counter to you, Father. So Lord, I pray is, as we look tonight to your word, God, that you would help us to see your justice and to see uh, how we fall into that and where we find ourselves in the midst of it. And Lord, this month as we uh, pray with our other uh, EC churches, God, we, we just seek you for a dynamic movement of your Holy Spirit among us, God. We pray, Lord, that you would give us an appetite for more of you, that you would help us to, to seek after you with all that we have. Lord, to, to give us the strength to seek you daily. And Lord, we pray that you would reveal in us the areas where we need confession, where we need humility, God, and where we need to simply just have a hunger for you. Father, we know that you are great and you are good and that your love for us is even greater than we could imagine. So God, we pray that you would give us a heart for more of you. Open ourselves, our lives, that you might move in us in a mighty way, in a dynamic way, Lord. And Father God, as we look towards your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us through Pastor Mike. Help us to really reflect on what your justice looks like in this unjust world we live in. Use your word to shape us, to challenge us, to mold us to be more like your son, Jesus. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.
1: Thank you very much, Pastor Kevin. Also tonight we want to welcome several families with us from Pastor Kevin's former church over in York, west side of York, Zion Church in York, and we welcome you all. We're glad that you're here. Join me in welcoming our friends from the city of York. And we have a rare opportunity tonight to also welcome our founding pastoral couple, Will and Barbie Martiner with us tonight in this service. Would you join me in welcoming Will and Barbie tonight? They are not here because of time change, they are here because of a grandchild's visit, just to make sure we all understand that. But they're normally here worshiping at 915, and it's a special opportunity for us to have Will and Barbie here tonight. Well, we're going to begin now um, three sermons in this series, God Learning to Know Him Better, that will focus on uh, really a trilogy or triplets, if you will, of his attributes. Tonight, justice. Next week, mercy. The following week, grace. Justice, mercy, and grace of God. And so tonight, I'd like to invite you to open the scriptures, if you have your Bible with you, to Mark chapter but chapter 11, and I, it will not be on the screen because I made a last minute change in which of these stories I was going to read tonight. This particular story appears in this form in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so tonight I'm going to read it to you from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 11, beginning to read at verse 12. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was Hungry And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, may no one ever, ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those who were selling the doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations?' but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill Jesus, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. So when evening came, they went out of the city. Now, every time I read this story, I have to ask myself, what in the world got into Jesus? What in the world got into Jesus? This is not the gentle Jesus, meek and mild that we have been taught to expect as we read and study the scriptures. This is Jesus, the judge, turning over tables, driving people away, forbidding people from passing through. Coins are flying everywhere across the floor. Doves are flying madly about, depositing feathers and who knows what else on the people who are underneath them. Throngs of people trying to get out of the way of the Messiah, What in the world got into him? What got in to Jesus in this event in his life? Well, to be honest, I have to tell you tonight, it isn't so much what got into Jesus that caused this event. It's what came out of Jesus that caused this event. Our God is a just God, Our God is a just God. Say that with me. Our God is a just God. And what we see here and in many other places in Scripture are the just acts of a holy and loving God. Let me explain that to you. A basic definition of biblical justice comes from the heart and the pen of Pastor Tim Keller, who had pastored Redeemer Prez up in Manhattan. To paraphrase Tim Keller, justice is giving people what they are due, whether punishment or protection and care. Let that settle in for a moment. Justice is giving people, this is biblical justice. Biblical justice is giving people what they are due, whether punishment or protection and care. Jesus' actions in this unexpected story show us both sides of biblical or godly justice. Jesus is both exercising punishment for sin and extending protection to the victims of sin in this story. The context of the story that I just read from Mark chapter 11 is the temple of God where people are coming to worship throngs of people. The exact location within the temple complex of this story is the court of the Gentiles, which was a vast area, some say 35 acres, surrounding the temple building itself. Now, you had to be Jewish to enter into the interior rooms of the temple. Think of Grace Community Church building. This is the interior rooms, one of several. And you had to be Jewish to come into the interior rooms. But if you were not Jewish... If you were a God worshiper, no less sincere, devoted to the Lord, you could go into the court of the Gentiles. That would be the area surrounding our church building, if you're thinking of it in that way. They were not Jews. They were Gentiles, and yet they were worshipers of the one true and living God. However, the court of the Gentiles was being treated unjustly by people around them. Why not? They're only Gentiles, right? No big deal. They're not part of the chosen people. They're not Jews. They're not us. They're not from here. They shouldn't have to have any special treatment. And so the court of the Gentiles assigned to the Gentiles happened to be prime commercial property. And so because they weren't chosen, the Jewish People were not as receptive or honoring of that space. And that space was prime commercial property, and it also happened to be the space that people could kind of make a shortcut back and forth across the temple complex. This space, friends, was supposed to be a place for the Gentiles to worship God. They were supposed to be able to come here and pray and to listen to the one true and living God. But their space was being occupied by lamb and dove vendors. It was being occupied by money changers. And so the place where you should be able to worship the one true and living God now had makeshift stalls, had cages of birds. The place where you should be able to listen for the voice of God had Coins clanking and clinking all the time as money was being exchanged the atmosphere as one writer described It is a bizarre mix of county fair and the pit of the New York Stock Exchange a Bizarre mix of this craziness. It was anything but a house of prayer It was anything but a place where Gentiles could talk to God and could listen to his voice Now there's more to that however Worshippers were expected to pay a temple tax as they entered the temple courts to worship the Lord there, Gentile or Jew. But only local currency was acceptable for that, which paved the way for the lucrative, money-changing business to develop. So if you showed up and you were from out of town, Jew or Gentile, and you needed to pay the temple tax but you had your own local shekels with you you needed to exchange your local shekels for the common shekels of Jerusalem so you could pay your temple tax now that process was fraught with fraud because the money changers could really well they could win one over on you the way it would work is let's just say i went to pastor will and i said hey will do you have change for a 20 And he pulls out of his wallet a 10 and a 5 and hands it to me. And I said, well, I need change for a 20. And he says, well, the other 5 is my charge to give you change for a 20. He's from New Holland, and and that happens on that end of the town. Now, listen, if you're from New Danville and somebody says, can you give me change for a 20? We give you a 10, two, 5s, and a 1 just because we love you and we want you to have a little extra. That's how we are in New Danville. I don't live there anymore, so I'm in Smoketown. Don't ask me for anything. So the bottom line is, you were charged more than you should ever be charged. You were soaked, if you will, by the money changers in the temple. But there's even more. Bottom line is, worshipers also needed to bring a lamb or a dove to sacrifice so that they could atone for their sins rather than try to bring one from home, especially when home is several days' journey to Jerusalem, you simply, when you get there, buy your lamb or your dove right there. Now, the prices for those sacrificial animals, however, let me ask you a question. Have you ever noticed how much food costs once you get inside an amusement park or a sporting event or a concert venue? Oh, my goodness, a hot dog. I mean, it says all beef. Well, it ought to have take home beef for you. That's ridiculous. That's what happened in the temple. They soaked you coming and gone. Here they come. How much is a dub normally in the market? One and a half shekels. What are we going to charge? Eight and a half shekels. And that's what was happening in the temple court of the Gentiles when Jesus came in. I don't know if you know this story well enough to know that as he entered into Jerusalem, he went into the temple and he saw this taking place and he went out and slept and he came back the next day. And that's when this incredible event occurs as he comes in and he overturns the tables of the money changers and he overturns the tables of those who are selling doves. And then he says this, It is written, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Robbers in plain sight. Pastor and author Max Lucado in his book In the Angels Were Silent writes this, It's not difficult to see what angered Jesus Pilgrims journeyed days to see God, to witness the holy, to worship his majesty. But before they were taken into the presence of God, they were taken to the cleaners. Mark it down. Religious hucksters poked the fire of divine wrath. I've had enough was written all over the face of the Messiah. Any storm, doves flapped, tables flew, people scampered, traders scattered. This was not an impulsive show. This was not a temper tantrum on behalf of Jesus. This was a deliberate act with an intentional message. You cash in on my people, and you've got me to answer to. Let me say it again. Our God is a just God. Let's all say it again. Our God is a just God. In his justice, he will give people what they are due, whether punishment or protection and care. The hucksters and the hypocrites in the temple, they got punishment. Their victims, the vulnerable, they received God's protection and his care. Mark the word of God. God will punish evil. He is the ultimate judge. Paul describes this truth in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, when he writes, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Friends, that is one side of God's just character. But God will also protect the vulnerable. He is not only judge, he is also restorer. And as restorer, that is the other side of God's just character. We laid the foundation for the punishment of evil a few weeks ago as we preached the attribute of God's holiness. And we will dig further into the punishment of evil on Good Friday at our worship service as we grapple with the attribute of God's wrath. Tonight and throughout this weekend, I want us to focus on the other side of God's justice. That side of God's justice that seeks to restore the dignity of men and women and protect and care for the vulnerable and the needy among us. Is that who God is? Is protecting people from injustice in this world really a priority for God? And the answer to that is absolutely it is. Listen to God in his own words. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 3 through 4. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he Psalm 89, verse 14, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. The foundation of the throne of God, righteousness and justice. Psalm 99, verse 4, The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity in Jacob. You have done what is just and right. Psalm 103, verse 6, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Say that with me. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. One more time, louder. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. And in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 through 18, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. The great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. Friends, this is the justice of God that restores the dignity of humankind and that offers protection and care for those who are vulnerable and victims of, Of injustice in our world what does that mean then for who we are it means that if the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed we should too do you hear me it means that if the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed we should too if God loves justice we should too If he is upright and just, we should be that way as well. We should desire and pray for an end to evil, and we should work for justice for the oppressed. The judgment of evil side of his justice is the responsibility of God. Now, God does delegate some of that responsibility to the governing authorities in a society, by entrusting the punishment of wrongdoers to police and military. That is biblical justice. You can read about that in Romans chapter 13. But that said, the ultimate judgment that began at the cross when Jesus died for the sins of the world and crushed the head of Satan is consummated in the final judgment on both evil and the evil one, when Jesus Christ comes again to put an end to all evil and to bring about a new heaven and new earth and restore the earth to its absolute perfection as it was prior to the fall in Genesis chapter three. On the other hand, working righteousness and justice For all the oppressed is the restorative side of justice. As we have seen, God wants us to join him. Listen, he wants us to join him in protecting and caring for the victims of injustice in our world. That is the character and the heart of God. And it is what he wants to be the character and the heart of every one of us who are followers of the one true and living God. God calls us in his word to protect and care for the very young and the very old, for the unborn, for the terminally ill, for the disabled, for the poor, for the orphans and widows, refugees and homeless, the enslaved and those who are trafficked. He calls us to protect and care for the abused and the broken, those with special needs and emotional struggles, for the hungry, for the thirsty, for the stranger, for the sick, and for the imprisoned. James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, wrote in James 1.27, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Isn't that incredible? The religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless has two sides to it, according to James. One is that we live holy lives, and in living holy lives, that we advocate for justice for widows and for orphans. But I think even more significant are these words. Maybe you've heard them before, the words of the Savior. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was needed clothing, and you indeed clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in, someone needing clothes, and clothe you? When did we... See you sick or in prison and go visit you. And then the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine. Do you know the rest of that verse? Say that a little louder, Barry. Whatever you did for the least of these, you have done it for me. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. So then, what should we do? The prophet Micah asked. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, this question. And what does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you, Barry and Vicky? What does the Lord require of you, Rodney? What does the Lord require of you, Jim and Linda? What does the Lord require of you, Chris and Becky? What does the Lord require of you, Steve and Philomena? What does the Lord require of you, Logan and Emily? What does he require of you, Sandy? What does he require of you, Aaron? What does the Lord require of you, Jeff and Judy and Joanne? What does he require of you, Rick and Linda? What does he require of the Rice family? What does he require of each and every one of you seated in the balcony tonight and on this floor? What does he require of you, Mark and Mary? Bill, what does he require? Lester, what does he require of you? Well, this is what the Word of God says. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You realize by the time we get through the next three weeks, we're going to understand all of those points. But there's one that I want us to look at right now. And understand what it means for us here and now, right now, to act justly. We should do what we can with what we have to alleviate the injustices of this world, and we should do it in the name of Jesus. This is not a competition between evangelism and justice. This is an open door of opportunity for the people of God to act like the people of God and to love and care and protect the vulnerable and victims of injustice today with the vision that as we do, we are loving them in the love of Jesus Christ. And we are giving them a valid witness and invitation to embrace The Savior who compels us to act justly in this world. Some Christians actually push back on this kind of teaching about justice, but we should not. As evangelical Christians, we are all about evangelism. And well, we should be. We are committed to alleviating the eternal suffering that people face apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to help people know and follow Jesus. We want to fill heaven. We don't want to see anybody from Lancaster County or any other part of the world go to an eternal suffering in hell. We want to see them embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord, and we want to see them experience new life here, and eternal life. And if you believe that, can you say with a loud voice, amen? Amen. But the eternal suffering of people around us, the eternal suffering of people around us should not be our only concern. Pastor Joe Carter from McLean Bible Church in Virginia writes that Christians interested in alleviating only eternal suffering... Implicitly deny the place of love here and now. If all we're concerned about is eternity, let them starve here. Someday they'll be at a banquet table. That's not love. It's not Christ's love. Or as another pastor said, we should be so eternity minded that we are of some earthly good. We should be so eternity minded that as Christians, we are of some earthly good. Do you know what Jesus's first actions were after turning over the tables of the money changers and the benches of the doves? After proclaiming this should be a house of prayer and not a den of robbers? You know what the first thing he did was? Matthew tells us in Matthew 21, that the blind and the lame came to him and he healed them in the temple. Isn't that cool? He punishes the evildoers, throwing their tables over and their benches and clearing the way to protect those who were being cheated and taken to the cleaners. And then what happens? The lame and the blind come in and he begins to heal them. What's so interesting about this story is that as he's doing all this, the religious leaders, you know what they were? They were indignant. They were angry. They were angry that Jesus flipped the tables. They were angry that Jesus called out sin. They were angry that Jesus was healing the sick. They were angry that the children were running around in church and singing songs of joy. Look at it in Matthew 21. It makes a perfect theology for allowing children to run in church. I mean, it's right there. They were all worked up, all worked up, that the children were having a good time in the house of God. Don't they know that they shouldn't enjoy being in the house of God? Oh, my goodness. They were angry at everything except what they should have been angry at they allowed that court of Gentiles to become a den of robbers. They allowed those money changers to soak those poor people coming from out of town. They allowed those dub prices to be tripled and quadrupled. And all they could be angry about, all they could be angry about, was the fact that their protection of injustice was being challenged by a just and loving God. Those religious leaders, friends, were so eternity-minded that they were of no earthly good, and Jesus said so. So, what about us? Well, like God... Like God, we should love justice and work for justice for all the oppressed. Like him, we should love justice. It should be the foundation, along with righteousness, of everything we do. We should do what we can with what we have to alleviate the suffering of the vulnerable in our society, and we should do it in the name of Jesus Christ. What does that look like? in everyday life? Well, you might be surprised at how relevant it is and what you're already doing. Do you realize that justice happens every time you put extra food in your grocery cart and you bring a bag or a box of that food in and put it on the shelves for the Slanko Food Bank? And you are saying, I recognize that here in the southern end of Lancaster County, There are families who are hungry. There are children who do not have balanced diets. I have money and the ability to buy extra food. And I'm going to do something about the hungry. When, Lord, did we see you hungry and feed you? Hmm. When you support the work of Water Street Rescue Mission. Align Life Ministries. North Star Initiative. Lancaster County. Especially around Route 30. Has become. A prime location. For human trafficking. Women. Enslaved. And trafficked. It should break our hearts as followers of Jesus. And so we do what we can with what we have to support North Star Initiative. When God enabled us to sell the Millersville church building, now let me tell you, there isn't a whole lot of market for old church buildings, especially those whose boiler is on its last leg and whose roof needs repairs and a few other things. And when God enabled us to sell that church building, the very first thing we did was we put a tithe of that $35,000 into the building program of North Star Initiative for a rescue house for women. We put the rest into a missionary residence for a respite home for missionaries who are pouring themselves out around the world. We didn't pay a dime for that building. Why in the world would we make a profit off of it at Grace Community Church? when God gave it to us free and we thought, well, that must mean he wants us to give that money for the purposes of his just and righteous causes. We act justly every time we volunteer our time to the Afghan community that has come to live here in Lancaster County. We are actually working with a Afghan single mother and her four children and her mother-in-law in helping them to resettle here. As our sister church Grace Church of Willow Valley is working with an Afghan single mother and her four children, she is a widow, to settle here. Why? Well, the United States benefited from all of these people and their support while we were occupying their land and had they stayed they would die and so the United States brought them here, and Lancaster County has an open arm, and over 200 are here, and we act justly when we teach English and tutor children and provide child care for families as they need to learn English. A really cool partnership that you'll hear about soon between Calvary Church on Landis Valley Road and Grace Community Church in providing a place called the haven, a place where we can act justly with the righteousness of Christ. We act justly every time we visit GCC's homebound members. In this congregation of nearly 2,000 people, we have 71 men and women who can no longer get out of their homes to come to church. You realize that these are men and women who, if they could, would be here in a moment who actually helped to build this church in some cases and have invested deeply and now they can't come. There's an act of justice in going to the lonely, to the widows, and having conversation, and having prayer, and not doing it by Zoom or by phone, but actually doing it in person. That's a precious gift. In a few weeks, 50 of our people will be going up to Willow Street Mennonite Church to pack food and feed my starving children initiatives. Maybe there's even more openings if you call Willow Street Mennonite where you could go and pack food to feed those who are starving across the face of the world. Every time you participate in an LS Together initiative to buy school supplies or socks and underwear for children in the Ellis School District so that the counselors who see the needs of children coming from broken and poverty-stricken homes are able to meet those needs. That's justice. Protection and care in the name of Jesus. Oh my goodness. Matthew 7, 12, do to others what you would want them to do for you. Why not in the name of Jesus? When you care for your neighbor who has no one to care for them, when you provide meals for those who've just come from the hospital, when did we see you sick? And provide for you. Every one of us tonight should be so eternity minded that we are of some earthly good. Every one of us tonight, as followers of Jesus, should be so eternity minded that we are of some earthly good, so that when we die, we are missed because of what we contribute to this world by way of righteousness. And justice our witness for Christ and the acts of justice we perform in the name of Jesus for the protection and care of the vulnerable and the needy among us. And so tonight I ask you, what good and just work are you doing in the name of Jesus if God loves justice we have to love it too this is the word of the Lord hallelujah and amen let's pray together our gracious and loving Heavenly Father how I thank you and praise you for the way in which in your word you have made it abundantly clear that there is no dichotomy between justice and righteousness There is no difference between evangelism and doing justice. They go hand in hand. We cannot possibly be concerned only for the spiritual needs of the world around us without also being concerned for the physical and material and emotional needs of that same world. So, Lord, tonight I pray that you would shape and mold the mind, the heart, the life of every follower of Jesus who is here and will be here throughout this weekend who comprised the family called GCC so that we would individually and corporately be men and women who love justice in the way that you love justice. Men and women who work justice for all the oppressed as you work justice for all the oppressed. And do so in the name of Jesus Christ, with the ultimate desire and goal to see this world come to know and follow you, a God who loves us and protects us and cares for us. It's in your strong name that we pray and all the people said, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to today's message and choosing to spend some time with us today. To get more information about Grace Community Church, our service times, and our location, check out our website at gccws.net.